Hi, I'm Kate Boyle, and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. everyone and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. This week on the show, I'm chatting about is counting calories effective for weight loss? So I feel like this is one of those questions that everybody always wants to know the answer to because they want to know if they just cut back on, you know, the amount that they're eating, will they lose weight? So there's not a clear definitive answer for this, in my opinion, because it depends on how old you are. So, and also so many people give me feedback that this has worked for them, which is great if this works for you. But in my honest opinion and my professional opinion, when it comes to losing weight, counting calories alone is not enough, especially for women that are heading into their mid to late thirties and onwards. So, you know, perimenopause, menopausal, you know, there's so much more that comes into play than just counting calories. So let's start with where counting calories can be beneficial for some people. So I feel like there needs to be lots of, you know, you know, highlighting that it can work for some and it cannot work for others. So where can it be useful? Well, if you are overeating and you know that your portion sizes are just too large and maybe you've worked with a nutritionist or a dietitian on this and they've said, you know what, you know, that the, the amount of calories that you're consuming is, you know, a little bit too much for your frame and, and energy needs. So let's recalculate this. This is where someone that's working with you may suggest counting the calories or weighing out your food so that you get a better understanding of how much food you need to fuel your body. So again, it can be used as an education tool so that we start to understand, okay, the size or the portion of the protein that I need to fuel me needs to be about this size, so like the size of my palm, or it needs to weigh this much. And some people work really well with visual and seeing, and some people really prefer knowing how many grams and weighing things out. So then once they've done that for a period of time, then they can go, okay, well, you know, hundred grams is equal to about half a cup. So I'm happy. I don't need to weigh anything anymore. I can visually work that out. So we're all a little bit different in our processing. And so this is why, you know, either measuring out or counting how many calories in a food may work for someone that's, you know, in a certain way and work better for them than say, just looking at it visually or knowing, just intuitively knowing how much food is good for them. And again, these habits that we get into, you know, can come from childhood. So maybe when you were younger, your mum used to put lots of food on your plate and used to tell you to eat all the food. And so you ate all the food because, you know, you didn't want to waste food and you didn't want to waste money. So you ate all the food, but you've kept that habit going for the rest of your life. And you've started overeating because of that habit formed in childhood. It can be, and, you know, quite a few clients often say this to me, 
that they have grown up, you know, and they have their own family and they've been so used to cooking for their family when they've got two or three kids at home and those kids grow up and move out, but they're still cooking the same amount of food and they don't want to waste that extra food. So they eat that extra food and their portion sizes become too big. So counting calories can be effective when we're starting to look at how much food we're eating and if we're overeating and if we know we need to cut back on our size of our portions and reduce our portion sizes, then rather if you're not able to look at it visually and work that out, then sometimes weighing it or counting calories can help. So this is where it can be used as a tool But in the long run, when we're looking to lose weight, we need to look at our body holistically. And you all know, if you've been listening to this podcast, how much of an advocate I am for looking at our health holistically. So what are the things we need to focus on if we're trying to lose weight? And it's more than just counting calories. It's looking at our sleep. Are we sleeping very well? Or, you know, are we sleeping really fine or do we need some help in this area? We know that when we're sleeping, we're getting all our rest and repair happening, Um, hormone production, all of these things, you know, uh, turning over helps, you know, our digestion, all of these things come together when we're sleeping. So if we're not sleeping and really dialing in our sleep, then we wake up and we're usually tired. And if we wake up and we're tired and we want energy, we usually either reach for caffeine or something sugary. Now, when we have caffeine, that pushes our cortisol levels up, which is our stress hormones. And this is the same as when we have sugar too, if we get a sugar hit. So say we wake up, we're really tired because we haven't been sleeping very well, and then we reach for a blueberry muffin. Well, our blood sugar levels go spiking, our cortisol, our stress hormones go spiking. And so that kind of puts us in the cycle of beginning the day where we're craving sugar, our stress hormones are elevated, so we're going to be you know, tired and wired almost in that sense. Taking that sugary muffin pushes our blood glucose up super high, which means it's going to come crashing down quicker. And that effect, this cycle is going to continue because then when your blood sugar crashes and you need another energy hit, you're either going to look for caffeine, cup of coffee, cup of tea, energy drink, or you're going to look for something sugary again. So you can see how if our sleep isn't dialed in, it affects the nutrition that we are going to put into our body and our choices. It affects our concentration and our energy. So we might not we might not wake up feeling fantastic. And so the workout that we were going to do, we go, oh, I just can't be bothered. I don't have enough energy. I'm going to skip that. So we don't follow through on a lot of the other you know, habits and processes that can really support our body to lose weight. And we get stuck in this cycle of sugar, caffeine, you know, lack of sleep, wanting energy, and it continues on and on. Now, on top of that, we were touching on nourishing food. Well, why is this so important? Well, as I explained with that blood sugar, if our blood sugar level is spiking all the time and we're getting those crashes, then we're going to keep reaching out for more sugar. 
sugar isn't filling and it isn't conducive to overall health. We're not going to get the fiber. We're not going to get the phytonutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that really fill us up and help us build ourselves and help our immune system. So again, we may be more at risk of getting sick. Uh, We might have those lower energy levels. So making sure that we're getting really balanced meals, you know, a quarter of looking at your plate, you know, making sure that there's a quarter of protein, a quarter of your complex carbs so this could be in the form of sweet potato or it could be you know like like a starchy veggie like sweet potato or we could look at an ancient grain you know something like quinoa or couscous or pearl barley or lentils and then we want to make sure the other half of our plate is vegetables because we want lots of fiber to make sure that we're going to the toilet regularly and fiber fills us up. So that's what helps us so that we're not hungry straight away. On top of, you know, making sure that we feel satiated with our meals, that making sure that there's that mix of protein, carbohydrate, lots of veg and some really good fat because fat is satiating and keeps us fuller for longer too. So when we're talking about our good fats, we're thinking about our avocado, uh, avocado oil, our extra virgin olive oil, flax seeds, um, walnut oil, walnuts, nuts and seeds, all these foods that have got these really good fats in them that are going to fill us up so that we're not, again, getting that afternoon sugar crash and reaching for that chocolate bar at about 3 p.m. Now, on top of talking about fiber and fat keeping us really full, if our blood sugar levels are more stable, and that's what we're going to get if we're having this mixture of protein, good fats, a little bit of carbohydrates, but the complex kind and lots of veg, then it means throughout the day, our blood sugar levels are going to have smaller peaks. We're not going to crash. We're not going to put push our cortisol and our stress hormones up super high. And so we're then not going to have those cravings for those sugary foods like what would happen if we were in that previous cycle of waking up and reaching for caffeine and sugar foods at the start of the day. So building those, you know, balanced meals into your day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is a fantastic place to start if we're looking at weight management. And I also want to touch on the point of weight management. Um, There's been a few times on social media that people have been reaching out and sort of saying, you know, I love your, you know, sharing advice on being strong, on being healthy, on having energy, but I don't like hearing about weight loss. And, you know, I'm never, if you guys know me, you know, I'm not the advocate for losing weight because you need to be super skinny and look good because it's not healthy, but managing a healthy weight so that we have the energy to move so that we have the strength in our body and so that we don't have injuries and pain. This is super important and we can minimize and increase these things by maintaining a healthy weight. So this podcast is about talking about weight loss if you feel you need it so that you feel happy and healthy and you feel optimized and dialed in with your energy and your movement and less pain. But it's never ever about looking good and being super skinny because that's not serving anyone. And being someone that's been through and having, you know, previously had an eating disorder, I know how damaging food restriction can be. So 
all this talk, whenever I talk about weight loss, it's all about optimizing our health and managing a healthy weight for ourselves, which is going to be very individual for each body and optimizing our energy, our movement and reducing our pain. So I do want to make that clear if anyone's kind of listening in and going, oh, this is ridiculous. We're talking about weight loss. We're only talking about it in the sense that if we need it to optimize our health, then these are the things that we can do. Now, on top of that, we want to look at inflammation. So inflammation, you know, happens in our body when we have excess toxins. So that can be, you know, a big place. So what types of toxins am I talking about? Well, toxins are hidden everywhere. They're hidden in our foods. They may be additives or preservatives or chemicals that have been added in. They may be hidden in our household, in cleaning products, in fragrances. So unfortunately, ladies, perfume is one of the, you know, filled with a lot of toxic chemicals. And these chemicals, they disrupt our hormones. And if our hormone production is disrupted, then our menstrual cycle can be um, disrupted. Our metabolism can be disrupted. A lot of them, you know, they're called endocrine disruptors because they disrupt our hormones, but they also can increase our estrogen production. And they are often known as obesogens because they contribute to the deposit of adipose or fat tissue in our body. So on top of going back to the types of chemicals, it may be the things in your bathroom cupboard, the lotions you put on your skin, the makeup you're putting on your face. So remember, our skin is our biggest organ. Even your shampoo and conditioner, if you can smell your hair, you know, often everyone's like, oh, my hair smells lovely. If you can smell your hair, then there's going to be parabens in that shampoo or conditioner, and they can contribute to disrupting our hormones. They are a toxin. And if we can eliminate them from our body, then it's going to be better for our health. Now, in saying this, there is no way in this modern world that we can eliminate all toxins. It's just not possible. You know, even when you step outside, whether or not it's a traffic going by and it's car fumes or you're filling up your car with petrol. So again, you're around, you're smelling and breathing in the petrol fumes. Uh, it can be, as I said, the household products. It's in our food, um, plastic containers, whatever it is, you know, traces in our water. It's here in our environment. So what our goal is, is to try to minimize, you know, how much that we are putting into our body and on our body and trying in the ones that we can control, we can buy, you know, products that don't contain these in. If we're using things on our skin or our makeup or washing our hair or washing our body or cleaning our house, then these are where we can make changes so that we can minimize the toxin load, which will help reduce inflammation. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that you can download a free 15-minute core Pilates workout that I've designed especially for you to work your entire body and your core, including your pelvic floor and deep layer of abdominals to really build strength, stability, and mobility. This is a nice quick workout you can fit into your day. It's definitely 100% doable. You don't need any equipment to do it. And I guarantee once you finish your 15 minutes of Pilates, you will feel stronger, more energized, taller, and 
really joyful and happy for moving your body and getting those endorphins moving. So don't forget, head on over to the show notes and download that free core workout and try some Pilates with me. I can't wait to see you on your mat. So we, I've done a whole podcast on this before and I'll link it up in the show notes on obesogens and toxins, but this is just a brief overview of how it increases inflammation in the body. So moving on from that, if we're not getting enough sleep, we increases inflammation in the body. Uh, you know, there's also foods that increase inflammation. Sugar, unfortunately, not so great, increases inflammation. And seed oils. So the eight seed oils, you know, a um, couple of the main ones are canola oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, um, rapeseed oil, um, soy. So these oils are contributing to inflammation in our body. And when we have in more inflammation, we can have more joint pain. We can feel tired, fatigued, poor concentration, unable to lose weight. So all of these things come together. So reducing inflammation is really important. So we've talked about the things that are pro-inflammatory and cause inflammation, but what helps reduce inflammation in the body? Well, eating anti-inflammatory foods, going back to our fruits and veggies and good fats that I was talking about before. So eating the rainbow, getting as many different colors into your diet through your fruit and veg as you can, eating those really good heart healthy fats, those avocados, you know, extra virgin olive oil, flax seeds, getting these into your diet is a fantastic way to help reduce inflammation. And, you know, mainly it's going back to that Mediterranean diet. There has been so many studies over the years on the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, and it really does work. So if you're unsure, just, you know, Google Mediterranean diet. It's everything that we talked on, you know, a lot of, um, you know, omega threes from fatty fish and seafood and a little bit of meat, but going back to those whole foods as well, nuts, beans, legumes, fruit, veg. Now, anti-inflammatory foods, we've also got some amazing spices and herbs. So things like garlic and onions, uh, cinnamon, you know, go back to cooking with these spices and herbs as much as we can. I was listening to a podcast the other day that was sort of saying, you know, over in, in different countries, you know, they're very great at using fresh herbs of getting parsley and dill and thyme and that back into their diet. But a lot of the time in, you know, prevalent in sort of, you know, Australia and the US and, and some of these sort of more Western style countries, we've lost that use of using these fresh herbs. So the more that we can, you know, include them back into our diet, the more anti-inflammatory it's going to be. Now, on top of that, we want to make sure that we're getting fiber. So our detoxification systems in our body include sweating, urinating, and pooping. So getting our fiber so that we're not constipated and we can go regularly. Drinking water so that we're flushing our body, you know, eliminating some toxins through our urine, and then also sweating because we're pushing out the toxins through our skin when we sweat. And whether or not you do that through exercise, you know, sauna, um, you can have a hot bath if you don't have a sauna. Getting your sweat on is really healthy and great for reducing inflammation. And then finally, the last thing I want to touch on there, and as I mentioned, is exercise. So moving our body 
in the right way. So we don't want to over-exercise and overtax our body, but we do want to add in some strength training. We know how beneficial that is. The more muscle mass that we can build, the better our metabolism is going to function and the easier it's going to be for us to lose and maintain a healthy weight. So adding in a minimum of two strength or resistance training sessions a week. That can be your Pilates sessions, okay? I did my Pilates session yesterday with my instructor and my goodness, can I feel the DOMS today? I can feel my hamstrings and my glutes and my arms. So working with resistance, whether or not you're in a Pilates studio or you're working at home, you know, our home workouts in the membership are amazing because they're building that strength and resistance. So two sessions a week, minimum three sessions a week if you can add them in. But remember, it doesn't need to be three one-hour sessions. It can be three 20-minute sessions. So frequency is so much better than length. I'll say that again. The frequency of your workouts is so much more beneficial than the length. So I would rather you do three 20-minute workouts than one one-hour workout a week. You will get way more benefits, even though you're doing, you could do the same exercises in the three 20 minute sessions over that one hour, you're going to get so many more benefits from splitting them up and doing it more consistently. So three strength training sessions, and then we want to get our body moving so we can get our cardio strength as well. So that means walking, dancing, swimming, running, jogging, anything that's going to get our heart rate up. Tennis, basketball, you know, pickleball has become really popular. Anything that we're, you know, getting that heart rate up for a period of time. And we want to add in at least a couple of those sessions a week. Um, Interval training and HIIT training has some amazing benefits. Lots of information and research on how beneficial they are for helping improve our metabolism um, and doing a lot short of workout, but getting a lot more benefits from it. So don't always think that you have to really slog it out for a long period of time. If you are not a runner, and you hate running, don't run. Do something you're going to enjoy, but that gets your heart rate up. Or if you do like running, but you don't want to run for a long period of time, you could add in some walks and then in between add in short sprints. So that's where we're getting our HIIT training. So our high intensity interval training coming into play to get those health benefits. And the studies have shown that we burn more calories and we can lose weight a lot quicker if we're adding in those HIIT workouts over just long workouts where we're staying at the same pace and that could be cycling for a long period of time or running or swimming or or whatever it may be even you know lifting weights you know if you're swapping the hip workout to your weight training session you know if you were doing 30 lifts of two kilo weights to change it up for a hip workout you might do you know five to 10 lifts of six kilo weights and then go back and do the two kilos weights for 10 to 20. And you keep alternating between them, but you need to get to that point where you're really pushing yourself and and moving that weight up to a point where you're pushing yourself. You might only be able to do five to 10 reps and then you drop back to an easier pace and you keep alternating in between. So looking at an exercise as part of our anti-inflammatory is also really important as well. 
And then finally, we're just going to touch on stress. So stress has a huge impact on our weight. So even though you might dial in your nutrition, you may be exercising. You may think that you're getting, you know, fantastic sleep and that weight is just not budging then we really need to look at the missing link and it's often stress. And especially for women, as we start to go through perimenopause and menopause, we don't think stress is an issue, but we're not talking, it doesn't have to be a really big, heavy stress, but it can be just that low underlying chronic stress that's happening every day. So you might wake up, you might be running late for an appointment. So that's, you know, stress, you know, already number one. You skip breakfast, that's stress number two. You um, have an argument with your partner, that's stress number three. So you can see how small stresses throughout the day can add up. And if we're not managing our stress really well, that stress builds with inside the body. So, you know, I've talked about it before, but, you know, if you're doing all your strength training exercises and your lower back has been feeling really great, and then all of a sudden you have a flare up in your lower back and you think, oh, I haven't changed any of my exercise. I've still been doing that. Stress can, you know, often be the main contributor to that uh, injury flaring up again. So, and that stress could be emotional stress. It can be physical stress. It can just be mental stress. So looking at what stresses you have and then finding some great ways to start to manage them or minimize them. So, you know, if you're skipping breakfast every morning because you're running late, well, how can we minimize that stress? We can start by going to bed just a little bit earlier, making sure that we set an alarm so that we wake up in the morning feeling a little bit more refreshed. We could prep breakfast the night before and make sure that it's something super easy that we could take with us to work or have a smoothie ready to go so that we know that we can take it with us on the run. So there's lots of, you know, habits that we can build in to help minimize certain stresses. Other stresses that we can't foresee or control, we then need some techniques that will help us to manage them. So whether or not that's our breath work. So you guys know I'm a really big fan of inhaling for four through our nose and then exhaling for between four and eight counts or keep it really simple and do five counts in, five counts out, okay? So breath work is a really simple way that you can use to minimize or manage your stress at any time of day, anywhere, anytime, sitting, standing, driving a car, drinking, you know, pausing and when you have a cup of tea, whatever it is. So adding in breath work is amazing. Meditation, uh, journaling, reading, listening to music, whatever is your form of meditation. And there can be moving meditation. You know, I often find that in Pilates, when I'm connected to my body, I'm thinking about my movements and my brain doesn't have that time to think about everything else that's going on. That's when I find I de-stress, I relax, I can feel my nerve system calming down. So whether or not it's a moving meditation where you're doing Pilates or yoga or going for a walk, getting out in nature. So lots and lots of studies showing the benefits of getting out in nature to help reduce our stress. And when we say nature, it just needs to be some greenery. So there's some great research of, you know, just the green strips, 
down in you know cities where there's some trees and there's some grass it can just be a local park that's five minutes down the road it doesn't mean that you have to you know drive an hour out to the bushland and go for a hike or be near the ocean it's just getting near nature where there are flowers trees plants birds you know getting back into nature is just the main thing and just small pockets of nature count as well Grounding is another good thing. If you haven't heard of grounding before, that's when we, you know, connect our feet to the earth and the earth being grass, sand, you know, rocks, anything that's natural, dirt, okay, but taking our shoes and socks off and grounding. And again, lots of research in that to help calm down our nerve system. Tapping is also another one, you know, that's become really popular over the last number of years. Um, So, you know, exploring tapping as an option. So there's lots of different ways that we can help calm down our nerve system and manage our stress. And it's finding the way that works for you. So for me, my main ones would be Pilates, breath work and getting out into nature. And that's usually walking in nature. And they are the ones that really help calm down my nervous system but they could be totally different for you so it's exploring the ones that work for you that work for your lifestyle and then building them in so they become habits so again you know this pops up with carving out that time creating those small habits that you can just build into your day to make things super easy so again None of this is ever super exciting, but it's the boring little things that we're doing all day, every day that really contribute to our overall health and happiness and managing our stress is, and again, another one of the big ways that can help us lose weight and maintain a healthy weight. So wrapping up just to sort of bring all those things together, because we've gone through a lot today, you know, counting calories can be one step in your weight loss journey, you know, more to the start of your journey when you're looking at, you know, portion sizes and what's going into your body and and seeing, oh, I am eating that. Do I need that? You know, reframing things and just really getting a good visual of what we're eating. In the long run, however, it is not going to be an effective strategy to lose weight long term because we can't keep counting calories. It's difficult. It's boring. It's certainly not easy to do when we go out to restaurants and catch up with friends and it can be really restrictive. So what are the things that we need to focus on and dial in to help us lose weight? Well, one, you know, we've got our portion sizes we need to look at. Two, it's eating those balanced meals with, you know, protein, carbohydrates, fats, lots of veggies, focusing on our sleep as much as we can, reducing inflammation in our body as we've just been through all those different ways, cutting back on sugar, getting rid of those seed oils, you know, adding in exercise, making sure that we've got a good two to three sessions of that resistance and strength training built in. And then also looking at reducing our stress levels uh, any way that suits you, but definitely building that in as a regular part of your practice. So these are sort of the fundamentals that we want to start with. And then when you're individualizing it for yourself, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. And that's when you can either, you know, work with an expert. If things aren't shifting, you know, that's when we can explore things like looking at your blood work, looking at getting hormone testing done. So there are other avenues beyond this, but 
when we're looking at starting and building really good foundations, these are the things that we need to start to dial in. So overall, you know, counting calories can be part of the uh, solution when we're looking at losing weight, but it's a very, very small part at the very start of our journey. So if you guys have any questions about this podcast, you know, tag me on social. If any of this, if you had an aha moment or it's motivated you to be like, yep, I'm going to dial in my sleep or I'm going to start to really focus on my stress levels, um, tag me on social and let me know because I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I'll see you again next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening into the podcast please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.